Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you open to the book of Judges? We're going to be reading from chapter 2 and chapter 3. I'm going to start at the beginning of chapter 2. I'm reading from the NIV. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give, your, to give your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bochim. There they offered sacrifices to the Lord. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of their land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods, and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord re relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways, even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshipping them. They refused to give their... E give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. These are the nations the Lord left to test all, the, all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previous, had previous battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites living in, in the Lebanon mountains, 
oops, from Mount Baal Hermon to Labo Hamath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given to their ancestors through Moses. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. The word of the Lord. The book of Judges has a, uh, a pretty good claim on being the darkest book in the Bible. It is a picture of Israel. It is a true picture of Israel and what they're going through. But it is not a pretty picture. And even though there are glimmers of, of, of light and hope, the overall theme here is actually going to be a fairly dark one. And it's... It's the picture of what happens to a people who, who don't remember God and who don't have strong leaders. Now, the story we've been telling, and recap it every Sunday, but we've been talking about God and the story of God making a good creation that became flawed through man's bad choices, through man's sin, <clears throat> and God's attempt to bring redemption to that good creation he had made and to restore things. And we talked about how he made a covenant with one man named Abram and said that through him he was going to work his plan of redemption. He was going to bring blessing to all the nations of the earth through this one man and how he increased this man's family. And we followed the story of his family and his descendants, how they went into Egypt, became a great nation in Egypt, how God brought them out of bondage in Egypt through, through the miracle of the Exodus, how they kind of fell short in faith of God and as a result of that wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then when a new generation had come up, we, we talked the last couple weeks about how God had renewed his covenant with them and brought them into the Holy Land that they'd promised their ancestors. And that, that kind of brings us to this point. <clears throat> God had promised that he would drive out all the peoples of the land before them but they weren't faithful to do their part. God had told them when they went into the land that the reason that they were going into the land, the reason it was giving up its previous inhabitants was because of the immorality of those inhabitants. Specifically, they, they had uh, sexual immorality and they practiced child sacrifice. And they said, God said, you're, you're not to be like this. You're my chosen people. You're the vessel that I intend to bring blessing to the world. So you've got to be different from that. You, you can't be like those people. But they didn't fulfill the promise and drive them completely out. Now we have an opening, the opening st uh, section here we talked about is the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to them and he tells them what the problem is. He said, you know, I promised you this, but because... Because you did not drive these people out, now I am going to leave them there to test you. And the people weep at this because they realize, uh-oh, we've blown it again. And immediately after we get that statement, we get the account of the death of Joshua and the elders that had served, served with him. Joshua lives a long life, 110 years. 
Um, much like Moses, Moses lived 120, and both of them remained vigorous and powerful into the fullness of their days. They didn't have a period of dwindling. But Joshua is eventually gathered to his ancestors. And then the elders that had served with him, they pass away too. And there's nobody that remembers what it was like to be in the desert, to, to be delivered into the promised land. Everybody's forgotten it. Now here, something in Israel's past is coming back to haunt them a little bit. They had had this moment when they came out of Egypt and were meeting with God at Mount Sinai, where God was actually speaking to the whole nation of Israel. And it was too terrible for them. So they said to Moses, you go talk to God. Will you, you be our intermediary? Because if we hear him, we're going to die. And they had distanced themselves from God. They were originally intended as a nation to be the go-between between God and creation to be those ministers of grace, those, those, that nation of priests to mediate between God and his creation. But they were too afraid of God to do it, so they required an intermediary themselves. And what happens then is they need somebody to, inter, to go to God for them. And when all the, all the rulers, all the leaders pass away, suddenly as a people, they're not in the habit of going to God. They're dependent on people to bring God's word to them, and they have nobody. And this is a consequence of their own desire not to be near God. You know, the, the presence of God was too terrible for them. And that's, that, that can be true of all of us at, at, at many moments in our lives. The thing is, when God shows up, God brings light, and, and light kind of shows up the darkness, and that can be uncomfortable. So I, I, I totally understand their impulse, but now they're paying for that. There's nobody to bring God's word for them, and there's nobody to intercede for them. Before this, every time they had fallen short and God had said, because of this, I'm going to do something, first Moses and then Joshua would go to God and, as an intercessor and say, remember your promises. You know, remember for the honor of your name, please do what you said you would do because we don't want you to become, we don't want your name to be spoken of ill among the nations. But now there's nobody making that kind of intercession. And because of that, God's name is going to start to become profaned before the nations because this is, this is his people. These are the people that are supposed to carry his name and carry his word to the world, and they're becoming just like everybody else. So there's no distinction. At this point, it becomes as if God is just another one of these little tribal gods that are there. So Israel is going to enter this cycle, and throughout the entire book of Judges, you're going to see this cycle where... Because of their acceptance of the people around them and the way things are around them, they begin to, you know, they practice sin, they, they buy into those ways, they sacrifice to those gods, and they become oppressed. And when they become oppressed, then they'll remember God, then they'll call out to God. And God will raise somebody up to redeem them. And while that person is around, Things will go well for them. They'll be delivered from whatever is oppressing them. 
but they don't come back. There's no revival. They don't come back to Lord. So as soon as that judge passes away, they fall back into their old patterns. They fall back into their old sins and become oppressed again. And it's going to be a downward spiral throughout the book of Judges. You're going to start out, and the first, first several judges that we see are going to, to be pretty good. They're going to deliver Israel, and they also seem to be pretty much upright people. But then you're going to begin to get this point where even the good ones, yeah, they're not that good anymore. You're going to get judges who will deliver Israel from their enemies, but then become the seed of the next kind of fall that Israel will make. You'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll look at um, Gideon, who will be used of the Lord to deliver Israel, but then he'll put up an idol. You'll get a judge named Jephthah who will deliver Israel, but he's, he's kind of like a thug, but he'll deliver Israel, and then because he thinks that's how God is, he'll sacrifice his own daughter um, in recognition of the victory that's given, showing that he totally misunderstands God because he is going to do one of the things that God told the Israelites, don't do, that's why I don't like these people there. He's going to go to that child sacrifice. You're going to get Samson, who, while he does deliver Israel, is just have abysmal moral character, and then after that, you're just going to get chaos. And all this is going to come about because of Israel's failure to complete what they were starting. It says that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, and another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Well, the Baals, Baal is just, it's a, it's a Canaanite word, and it comes into Hebrew too, and it just means Lord. Um, but it's talking about there just the lords, the little tribal gods, the, the gods of the cities, as opposed to the Lord, Yahweh, who is. This is just the little... Gods, they're going to serve him, and they're going to serve him because they don't remember what God did. This kind of highlights the real need for every generation to remind the next generation, this, this is who we are, this is our story, this is what our God has done for us. Because if you don't know what your God has done for you, you don't know who you are. So here we have the problem of a generation that, that kind of grew up in church but didn't know what the whole thing was about. These are, these are like kids that go to church with their parents and their grandparents, and, and maybe their parents and their grandparents really did just have significant experiences of the Lord, but somehow they never passed that on. They never... They never brought those stories out. They never gave their testimony to their kids. And so the kids didn't remember. And if you don't remember, if you don't hear those stories, you're shaped by the, what's around you, what the communities that are around you are, and you become like them. You lose that distinction. You lose that heritage in the Lord. 
And because of them following that, they aroused the Lord's anger. And because they forsook him, because they're abandoning their side of the covenant, he doesn't fulfill his side of the covenant and he gives them up into the hands of raiders. Now, one of the things we talk about, we talked about it with the flood, is a lot of times God will allow our own sin to consume us. We talked about how he allowed the chaos of the world to just come to a head in the flood. But it's, it, there's always a redemptive purpose in it with God. God, um, there's this wonderful uh, section in the book of Lamentations where the prophet Jeremiah, in the midst of everything that's going on, says, hey, men are not cast off by the Lord forever. So God still remembers this as his people, as, as horrible as they are, as, as zero sign of it as there is. He remembers these are his people. So when he turns them over to the raiders, there is a redemptive purpose in it. And it was, it's so they would come back to him. And, and we get these episodes. We get these episodes where they come back to him and he'll deliver them. But they don't take the message. What's intended to bring them to repentance and to turn back to, towards God does not have that effect on them because they don't remember their stories. So they get delivered, and as soon as they're delivered, they just go back to, to being the way they were, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And the final sections of the books of Judges are going to talk about how every person did what was right in his own sight, if, if you don't have an external code, if you don't get your values from somewhere, you, you're just left with, well, works for me. And when everybody in a society defaults to that, well, it works for me, you just get chaos and you get destruction and you get hate and you get the multiplication of all sorts of sin. Well, why is this a problem? This is a problem because this is the rescue plan for all of creation. This is who God said he is going to work his redemption through. These are the people that are supposed to show forth his character. So it's not just any group of people being lost. This is the people that are supposed to know the way being lost. And we get this wonderful statement in the New Testament, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. So one of the real miracles of the Bible is that even though this gets very dark, and to tell the truth, even when Israel gets a king and gets things semi-straightened out, this pattern's still going to go on, but it does not stop the work of the Lord. He is going to fulfill his purposes, even through this dark time. Well, one of the things I always say is that when we're reading the Old Testament, Israel is us. This is us. Or this is certainly me. Y'all are probably much more spiritual than me. But, but this is me. I grew up um, without any tradition of faith. I, I grew up in a, in a 
family of physicists and engineers, a very materialistic family. So I didn't, I didn't come to faith till I was in college. And I, I came to faith in a church full of people like me who, who had not grown up in the faith, but all had conversion experiences. I've said before that in some ways the church was like a saved biker gang. There were a lot of, God, God had really done a lot for a lot of people. And when you're in that kind of environment, you, you see this, this kind of excitement at the time of conversion. People, people can really point to a point in their life and say, hey, this is, this is where everything changed for me. And, and you can, it's, it's just powerful because you can think, I was this way, but now I'm this way. All these things have passed away. And that's, that's a wonderful experience to have. But then you get this thing where you, you talk to these same people, you know, five and six years later, and, and maybe some of that some of that fire, some of that remembrance of what God had brought them through has, has faded. They haven't, they haven't kept themselves up. They haven't reminded themselves of where they were and what they've been brought to. Same with me. And there's, there's reasons for that. Much, much like Israel, at this point, the nation of Israel, I can understand some of what they're going through because they've been homeless for so long now they have a home. When they get some measure of settling, they haven't driven out all the people there, but they have land, they have places to settle. They haven't finished the work that God called them to do. But after fighting and wandering and being homeless for so long, they're settled. And it can be really easy if you've had a hard life, if you've had a long fight, that once you get some stability, it can be very easy to just not meaning to do, not meaning to quit anything, but you just, you, you want to slow down and stop and just take a deep breath and enjoy the fact that you've, you've been delivered into something and that you've, you have some stability and you can forget the job's not done. And that's, that's kind of what happens to Israel here. They've fled Egypt, they've wandered, they've been homeless, they've fought, they've conquered. And now they have some territory, and it may seem to them like, hey, we have a measure of peace. Let's just enjoy it. That's our lives, too. We get delivered from things, and we can get a measure of peace. But we haven't fully entered into what God wants for us. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about moving beyond laying again the foundation of repentance from, from dead works, of turning from sin. I mean, that is the start. That, that's that's where, where we start as Christians. We repent of what's gone before and we turn from it. But, but that is, that's just the start. That's, that, that's entering in, but it isn't finishing it. And we get, we get instructions from Peter, like, for... Add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control perseverance, and to per your perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. There's this whole progressive walk that we're supposed to keep going on in Christians. And as individuals and as a culture in Christianity, sometimes 
we, we kind of become satisfied in the, well, we've, we've left the sin part of our lives. And, and when you make that the entirety of, of your relationship with God, pretty much you, settle, you begin to settle down and you begin to look like everybody else around you. And even though you may be flying the flag of Christ, just like they were talking about Yahweh, what that looks like to the rest of the world is just another choice, just another God. When you lose, when you lose the sweetness of, of what's happened to you and you don't let that draw you on and on and on into your character and you just become a person who's had this one experience and you defend that experience, you don't look any different from the rest of the world around you. Your God looks like just another choice. People can look at the church and go, oh yeah, there, there's the church and you know, they're kind of like the Green Party or vegans or Republicans or Democrats. It's another group. Just like Israel, we are God's plan. We, we are God's plan of redemption for the world. We have been bought with a price in Christ to bring his redemption to creation. And when we settle for less when we let these Jebusites and Hittites and Canaanites hang out in corners of our life, they make us ineffective. And you, you know, the best time, the best time to fight these enemies is, is when you first went in. It would, be, it would be great if Israel, when they had first come in, had finished off all these people, but they didn't. It would have been great if when I got saved and put aside the, the, the really obvious acts of, of, of sinfulness and everything, I'd, I'd went on to have good character and, and practice putting aside my own desires for, for the desires of other people. But somehow, you know, 40 years after becoming a Christian, I'm still pretty selfish sometimes. There, there are all these areas, and they can, they can make me just like everybody else. So like I said, I'm, I'm sure you're much more spiritual than me, and this only applies to me. But I would just, just ask you, you know, is there anything, are there any Hittites and Jebusites left in your life? I mean, and, and they're not hidden things. We all know the things that God wants us to work on. I certainly know the things in my life God wants me to work on. And, but we have that great promise. One, just like when they entered into the Holy Land, God said he would drive, drive out those enemies before him. We have that great promise where God says that, that, you know, where Paul tells us that God who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. God will do it, but we have to be part of it. And we get that great promise that if we don't grow weary if we just press on to the end, boy, we have a crown of life waiting for us. So not a lot today, but just we, our lives right now can be a lot like judges. So just examine your heart, see where the things that God wants to clean up are. And the good news is he will do it. Even with all the sin that Israel allowed in in the period of judges, God still worked through that. 
still brought the line of Christ through that and still brought redemption to the world through it. Thank you.